Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. You're listening to Fathom, a show about the distance and the difference between us. Each story in this series is different and will take you away from your life deep into the life of someone else. When you resurface, what has changed? I'm Nick Javi waldrum and this is Fathom. The heart is invisible. Are you recording? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, sweet, I'll start then. <laughs> So I was playing this uh, New Year's gig that a friend who organises festivals had organised and I was the opening act. I had always written songs. I played the ukulele and I played one song and it seemed to be going really well and the audience was really enjoying it but then during the song I felt this big bolt on my chest and then I, I don't know why but I decided to finish the song and then, yeah, I um, just said into the microphone, can somebody call an ambulance? I, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to stop playing now. Most of the people sort of in the front row um, were very confused because here's this confident-looking girl singing a song and then all of a sudden this weird thing happens inside of her and my brother knew instantly what had happened and called an ambulance and... Um, the ambulance came and checked me over and I went home for a bit and cried because I was so embarrassed. I had thought that maybe I'd had some kind of reaction to the, all the speakers around me because they have massive magnets in them. But when I went for my next defibrillation download, they'd said that my heart was beating at 280 beats a minute, which was a bit of a shock because I don't really get nervous when I'm performing. So um, I didn't know how that had happened. It was quite scary. It was, yeah, it's quite strange knowing that there's these things that happen inside of you that you're completely out of control of. If the cardiac defibrillator in Rose Young's chest had not taken control when her heart stopped in the middle of a song she was performing on New Year's Eve a few years ago, we probably wouldn't be listening to her right now. She's 27 and has been suffering from unexplained cardiac arrests since she was a young girl. It first happened when she was 12. I came home from picking up some fish and chips and I walked into my parents' kitchen and I dropped dead on the ground and had a cardiac arrest, very unexpectedly. And then... Do you know how long your heart stopped beating for? They think about 15 minutes. Thankfully, Rose's mum was in the kitchen when she collapsed. Rose had no pulse. She wasn't breathing. 
her mother quickly called an ambulance. Rose is told it took ambulance officers around seven defibrillator shocks to bring her back to life. She was rushed to hospital. So I was put into this drug-induced coma for about a week and came out of it and had absolutely no recollection of what had happened or basically from when I was 12 backwards. I'd lost a large chunk of my memory. So that's from losing oxygen to my brain. So, I mean, medically, I guess I am brain damaged. So I spent a large amount of the next two or three months recovering things like learning how to read and write and stuff that was in my brain, I just had to find it. I was in the hospital ward with a bunch of old men. They didn't know what to do with me because I was this very strange case of this 12-year-old girl who'd had a cardiac arrest and, you know, that's usually an old person's thing. So they tested me and my family for something called long QT syndrome, which is a, a disorder that does run in families, and that's also nicknamed sudden death syndrome. People can live for their whole lives without knowing that they have it and then all of a sudden just die. And it's usually the number one cause for unexplained cardiac arrests. Rose doesn't have sudden death syndrome, and nor do any of her family. The mysterious condition that causes her heart to stop beating without warning has been diagnosed as abnormal electrical activity, a label that raises more questions than it answers. Over the course of a few months, I spoke with Rose about what it's like to live with severe health issues that are completely invisible and about the intricate miniature sculptures she channels her creativity into. We sat together in the lounge room of her apartment, which is above a childcare centre in Wellington, and she told me about her complicated heart. A lot of us sort of think of our hearts as sort of a plumbing mechanism that pumps blood, but actually they're also very electrical. And my problem's electrical, it's not a plumbing problem. So, yeah, everybody's got this one part of their heart that sends off these electrical beats, and I've got about 50 or 60 of them down the bottom of my heart in random places and clusters, and they go off at different times. And I've also got a floppy heart valve, so sometimes my floppy heart valve, they think, smacks into some of these electrodes, and that that might cause my heart to suddenly seize and stop working. When somebody asks me, you know, what's your issue, I can't just say, oh, it's this or it's that. What does it say on your medical alert bracelet? It says implanted cardiac defibrillator, mitral valve prolapse, SBE prophylaxis, absolutely no idea what that means, ventricular fibrillation, I think that's the heartbeat that turns you to till you die, and then cardiac arrest, and then numbers. Medic alert bracelets are useful in emergencies, but if Rose's heart stops beating when she's alone, it will be too late for the information on her bracelet to save her. This is why, during those months of recovery in hospital, 12-year-old Rose had an operation to have a metal device about the size of a matchbox implanted in her chest. An incision was made just below Rose's collarbone, where she now has a big white scar, the device is hidden in a recess under her skin where it can't be seen, and its sole purpose is to shock her heart back into beating. The defibrillator operates on batteries, which run out every five years or so, depending on how often they have to activate. When this happens, the defibrillator is swapped out for a new one through another operation. 
The device in Rose's chest now is her second one, and it's been due to run out of batteries for a while now. And there's two wires going into my heart. If my heart stops, it will administer electric shocks to bring me back to life. In the first year, I think I had about eight shocks, and that was a matter of them trying to figure out um, the settings. It was a bit of a bit of trial and error. They usually make you walk on a treadmill and see how high your heart rate can go and then how long it takes your heart to recover. The first time her robot heart saved her life, Rose had been performing in a karaoke competition. And came off stage and just straight after I come off stage I had three shocks. In succession or...? Yeah, within a sort of three-minute period. Um, And then the second time I had a series of shocks. I was in this class, we all ran to get back there and the second we got back there I started having um, shocks from my defibrillator. I was taken to Wellington Hospital and they reset everything. It was pretty exhausting. And then my second defibrillator, which I'm on now, I've had four or five shocks from which happened on that New Year's Eve. The cause of Rose's cardiac arrests, of the abnormal electrical stuff that causes them, is still not known. As we spoke, I thought about how it seemed to happen when she was exhilarated, from running back to school, from performing, and she suspects there might be a connection between her heart's activity and the hormone adrenaline. I also wondered, what would it feel like to have a machine in your chest that delivers enough of a shock to kick your heart back to life? Um, it feels like if someone or if two people were to kick you in the upper left chest from the front and in your shoulder blade with a steel cap boot on simultaneously. It's sort of like this massive punch. To somebody else, it would look like I was getting punched from the inside, sort of. Almost like a mime, a mime being kicked in the back. It would be quite odd to watch. I haven't seen it happen in anyone else, but I'm sure it would be quite strange to watch. I think it feels a lot more dramatic than it looks as well. I have irregular heartbeats all day long, but if I, even if I'm upset, Emotionally, I have my heart beats differently. If I eat uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken, my heart beats differently. Can you feel that? Yeah. I can feel my heart all day, every single day. I actually feel distressed if I can't feel my heart beating. And I don't know if it's a hyper-awareness because there's just been this importance put on my heartbeat. Or if it's just because my heart is working so much harder my way of describing it is like I've got a frog inside a sock inside of my chest that's just kind of jumping around. It's a really peculiar feeling. You can almost sort of feel it in your throat. It definitely um, plays up when something terrible does happen like that. And I think any stress, any if I'm if I have a cold, if I'm in more pain, my heart has to work harder. Pain is another thing that can feel far more intense for the sufferer than it appears to someone else. 
to the point where we can lean toward minimising or even disbelieving it. Rose knows pain more intimately than most of us, and it's affected her life with growing intensity since that first cardiac arrest. I think that I most likely have nerve damage from when I had my cardiac arrest and lost oxygen. My left eye, my left optical nerve is damaged because of the lack of oxygen when I had my cardiac arrest. So it sort of makes sense. That's what I've put it down to. The doctors don't disagree or agree with me because there are some doctors that don't even believe in fibromyalgia. Fibromyalgia is a term used to cover a broad range of chronic pain. And it took longer than it should have for Rose to get a diagnosis. She had asked her doctor to test her for the condition, but he insisted that endometriosis, a condition where problematic tissue grows abnormally outside the uterus, was the cause of her crippling migraines and intense period pain. After an invasive operation for endometriosis, it was found that Rose never had that particular problem. A team of pain specialists determined that she did indeed have the chronic pain condition fibromyalgia. Where does the pain come from? Pain is a product of your brain. It's literally, when people say, this is all in your head, I nod and say, yeah, it is. It's in my brain. It doesn't mean I'm imagining it. Um, it's about how my, my, my brain processes pain. My nerves send pain signals to my brain far more often than anyone else's does. I mean, that's the thing, is it's so hard to tell what somebody else's pain is like. It's, I, you know, I can't say to somebody, oh, you, you don't know what pain is. For, yeah, for as long as I can remember, I've ached somewhere. For Rose, fibromyalgia means almost constant pain somewhere in her body, whether it be the base of her skull, her neck, pelvis, fingers and thumbs, or somewhere else. Of course, there are medications created to alleviate pain, but many pain medicines have a side effect that is particularly bothersome for Rose. They can cause electrical activity in the heart. This means treating her pain is a bit of a balancing act. So I'm on Fleconite. I'm on 125 milligrams of sertraline. I'm on Topiramate, which is my most recent addition. I'm also on amitriptyline, but they use it quite a lot for treatment of fibromyalgia. Dry mouth, yeah. Number one side effect is dry mouth. So I have to spray my mouth with a saliva substitute probably every five minutes if I'm talking. It's no coincidence that when I look across the table at Rose, I don't see a sick person. I see a strong, engaging, independent person surrounded by the tools of her trade. Moulding clay, scalpels, pencils and a few of the matchboxes she uses to transport her sculptures in. I see this version of Rose today because of the other days when she's had to cancel our interviews for health reasons. So there are only a select few people who have ever really seen me at my worst. What are you like when you're at your worst? When I'm at my worst... I can't shower. I can't physically stand up in the shower because it's too exhausting. Um, and the pressure from the water hurts my skin. Um, any position in bed is painful. Um, my heart will beat so fast every time I stand up. 
that that will be my physical exercise for the day, just that one thing, you know. I've had dates where I have spent three to four hours lying on the bathroom floor because I can't find the energy to walk to bed. And that's what people don't see. No, and I don't want people to see me like that. I don't want people to remember me like that. I don't want to be pitied at all, but I also, that's not me. You know, that's my illness, that's not me. Can you think of a time when someone has just assumed you're well and asked something of you that you haven't been able to deliver? Oh yeah, all the time. People have asked me to, to give up my seat on the bus when I've had major heart surgery a week before. People have asked me to carry very heavy things when, you know, they don't know. And how should they know? It would be wrong of me to be pissed off and angry. Because there are so many people with invisible illnesses, we don't know if someone's in massive amounts of pain or not. And, I mean, I can't stand up on the bus, that would cause me incredible pain for weeks. But um, I would just politely say, I'm sorry, I am unwell. Or I'm sorry, I just had heart surgery. Usually that's the easiest way to go, even if I haven't just had heart surgery, if I'm having a really bad pain day. I have a friend who has um, a, a chronic pain in their knee and they carry a walking stick around, even on days where they don't need to use a walking stick, as a visual identifier to the public that they might need to sit down or they might need space or, you know. My sculptures are what are considered nano sculptures, so very, very tiny food. And I didn't think about how my health was involved with that. But I have thought about it, and it's a commitment thing. I'm constantly doing things that I can see an end to because I don't know what tomorrow's going to be like. So with my sculptures, my favourite part about them is that I can finish them. And it's also about being able to control something. It's the only thing I can control, that and maybe my eyebrows, vaguely. I've recently started showing people my art, and since I've started showing people, and people have been writing articles about it, and I've been quite successful all of a sudden, it's really lovely, but I've had all of these emails that are like, you're so inspiring, I'm so proud of you, it's so cool that you're doing something. Like, it's patronising. And I'm not inspiring, I'm just doing what I can do, just in the same way that you're doing what you can do. I hate that word. Something I do bite my tongue with a lot, especially with being ill, is people's recommendations on how I might get better. I'm chronically ill, I'm not going to get better. I, there are days where I might feel better, or I might discover something that helps me a bit. But... They might know, you know, my, my cousin's sister's best friend's flatmate started juicing and she's like never in pain anymore. Or, you know, have you tried um, meditating and only drinking water from like the west side of the island? Maybe if you thought a bit more positively it would help you. But the thing is they just, they like, they just want to help and that's absolutely fine and I know that and that's why I grin and bear it. 
look, if there was something, I would have found it. I've, you know, my mum has spent thousands of dollars on naturopaths and osteopaths and hypnotists, chakra cleansers, mediums, acupuncturists, chiropractors, everything, you name it, I've done it. I don't think there is a cure, but I do things that I know help me feel better, like having clean sheets, making things, eating a good meal, having a shower, having clean hair. That's as simple as I get, but it's easier than maybe you should go to Whole Foods and buy this powder that's made out of like Himalayan goats and like ground down caterpillars and then eat that every single day while watching the sun come up. But yeah, I just smile and nod and say thank you. But one day I'll probably stab someone. I'm pretty sure Rose is joking, but I decide not to give her well-meaning advice just now. She's about to show me how she uses a range of scalpels and needles to add texture to her beautiful, weird and very tiny sculptures of food, which she makes using non-edible coloured clay. Whatever your favourite snack, sushi, donuts ramen, waffles, a roast dinner, nasi lemak, Rose can replicate it, and she can make it so impossibly small that an entire meal could fit in a teaspoon. This little thing, is all, this little box is like a pantry. So I've got, yeah, strawberry canes. These are slivered almonds. Oh my gosh, they are too. Um, Whoa, that is tiny. Lemon canes, carrots. Uh, those are slices of strawberry. Um, these are roast potatoes. This is a, um, like a roast beef. So I'd slice that off, but um, I just sort of scratch away at it to make it look more, more like meat. You know, like I'll use different tools like toothbrushes and um, needles and all sorts of things at the moment. I'm just scratching away at it with a needle. Like if I'm making a certain type of meal, I'll look up like a roast dinner. But then if I really just want to get what roast beef looks like, I'll just Google roast beef and then I'll have the whole internet to choose from. Yep. It's kind of like just drawing in 3D. And there are days where I that controls where it comes very easy to me and there are days where I cannot do it at all and I get upset but actually as time's gone on I've become a lot better at going you know what today might not be a day for sculpting because my my motor skills are not good today yeah there are days for making tiny peas and there are days for not making tiny peas and it actually gives me a real um boost and it makes me happy that I bring joy and humour to other people with what they do. When she's feeling well, you can't spend five minutes around Rose without picking up on the importance of joy and humour in this life that has thrown more at her than most of us could carry. Patience is also a key part of Rose's life. Days are measured by tiny peas. Time passes in pain or in perfecting a blueberry smaller than a grain of rice. And every morning, just before 8.30, she waits to see if this is the day the batteries in the defibrillator inside her chest run low enough to signal the need for another operation 
for a new device. Making any kind of commitments to anything is very difficult at the moment. I'd been told at the start of this year that I would be having my new defibrillator put in this year. I'm still waiting for the alarm to go off. So you can imagine what every single day of this year has been like for me. I've just waited and waited and waited. I can't apply for a part-time job. I can't make commitments to go away on a holiday. I can't do anything, really. They have the paperwork all ready to go. So once the alarm goes off, I call the hospital and then I go in and they'll, they'll switch that part off and then they make the appointment. Does the alarm go off just once? No, nah, it'll go off until I go in and um, get it turned off. It'll go off at 8.30 yeah. every day. Can you feel it as well as hear it? No, nah, you can't really feel it. You can just... It's just like a tiny ambulance inside of your chest. You've been listening to Fathom, The Heart is Invisible, on RNZ National. If you want to see Rose's work, you can follow her Instagram account. It's called Tiny Portions. Since recording this story, Rose has successfully undergone an operation to have a new cardiac defibrillator put into her chest, the third since her heart first stopped at age 12. The song Smoke, which features in this story, was written and performed by Rose Young. Supporting music composition is by Nikita 2 Bryant. My gracious thanks to Rent Ray and to Tim Kelly and Nadine Allen Photography. If you enjoyed this podcast, please write a review or rate us on iTunes. You can subscribe or listen to the Fathom podcast series on iTunes or at radionz.co.nz forward slash series. And while you're there, we'd invite you to dip into any of the other RNZ podcasts. Fathom was written, produced and presented by me, Nick Jarvie-Waldrum, and engineered by Phil Benj and Mark Chesterman. The executive producer was Duncan Smith for RNZ National. Ka anō. And thank you for listening to Fathom. Your voice comes from somewhere else. Yeah, it's weird, eh? Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.